Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to Giving is Living, a message from Pastor Azzalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Turn the word of the Lord with me tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 26. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And I want to speak to you tonight on this thought, giving is living. Giving is living. You may be seated. I have several scriptures tonight as we walk through uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you. And I want to start right here in Matthew 16 by pulling out a phrase and looking at it a little more closely. It says, if a man will come after me. That phrase there gives us two indications. One, it implies that to come after him is to follow him in direction and to follow him in example. And I want to look at these a little more closely. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus's direction is to go after the lost. If you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to lead you right into the harvest field. I'm going to give you three examples in scripture that back this up. Aside from the text we've already read, there's a story in John chapter 4 about a lady at the well, a woman at the well. Anybody ever read that story before, heard that story before? And leading into this story, the Bible says uh, something that really stands out. It says, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. This was a very powerful statement. Has anybody ever heard this before? I must needs go through Samaria. The reason that was so powerful is because he was challenging the culture of that time by taking a way to get to the well that was different than the way the disciples were used to going. As a matter of fact, the disciples used to travel a different route in order to avoid Samaritans. Did you know that racism is not a 2023 problem? Racism has been around forever. And that's exactly what what the disciples were dealing with right here. They didn't like Samaritans. They didn't want to be around Samaritans. They had ought in their heart against this group of people. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Mm, 
Hallelujah. What does that mean? That means there's not one person in this community or in surrounding communities that does not have value to God. If they are lost, God wants them. God's looking for them. God's reaching for them. Amen? Amen. Jesus let go of the familiar to pursue the inconvenient when he went for the woman at the well. There's another parable that he teaches, and we've all heard it, where he leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one. He left the comfortable to pursue the one in peril. And then the third example I wanted to share with you is the story of the demoniac where Jesus tells his disciples, let us go to the other side. And they get on this boat and they encounter a storm. And, and Jesus does all of this just to reach a demoniac that had been bound for years and needed deliverance. He left the shore for the storm because he saw value in one person that was bound. What are you trying to say? Here it is. If you're going to follow the direction of the Lord, he's going to lead you out of the familiar. He's going to lead you out of the comfort. And he's going to leave you off of the shore so that you can go and find the lost. Amen. Amen. Now, if we are going to follow him and his example, the Bible again highlighting this same passage, if a man will come after me, John 3.16 gives us that example. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is the example? He leaves to find the lost. Why? To give. He gave. Jesus was the ultimate example of self-sacrifice. He gave himself. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That passage of Scripture says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That's what I call counter-cultural. We live in a culture of comfort. And we are conditioned. We are trained. We are encouraged to do anything but deny ourselves. As a matter of fact, we are encouraged to validate ourselves, affirm ourselves, treat yourself. Hallelujah. Right? That's the culture we live in. But Jesus said, deny yourself. Mm. When's the last time you told yourself no? When's the last time you wanted to do something and you said, you know what? No. I'm not doing that. Not because it's sinful or not because it's wrong, but just because... Some of you forgetting what it was like to be a kid. How many times did mama tell you no just because you needed to learn the value of no? Sometimes you got to tell yourself no. Here's a, good, here's a good principle. This isn't in my notes. But I'll tell you, this is something pastor practices. And I would encourage you to practice. Try telling yourself no three times a day. 
Oh, no amens. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nobody's wanting that one. That's all right. It's all good. It's all good. I'll move on. I feel you. I got you. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Jesus was teaching the formula for Christianity in this one phrase. See, self-denial is the displacement of self. When you begin to deny yourself, you are making room for somebody else to abide where you were previously abiding. I can't be full of Christ and be full of myself at the same time. Despite what the coexist bumper sticker says, carnality and Christianity cannot coexist together. I must deny myself. Taking up my cross is owning my responsibility to keep my flesh crucified every day. Mm, hallelujah. I, um, I saw something the other day that really struck me. And it said this. It said, nobody told you when you turned 18 that you were going to have to parent yourself. It's powerful. You know why? Because when you were a kid, somebody made you clean your room. Somebody made you brush your teeth. Somebody made you take care of the things that you needed to take care of. But when you become an adult, ain't nobody going to tell me. I'm in charge. I'm grown. Nobody going to tell me. Right? Mm. But we are responsible. I told my oldest daughter this when she, when she graduated and went to college. I said, you are accountable for your responsibility now. I said, I'm not going to be there to watch over your shoulder and, and see what you're doing. You are responsible to be accountable for yourself. And so many times we neglect our spirit, man. Because pastor doesn't follow you around and nobody's, nobody's there checking in on you every day. But let me tell you something. The formula for spiritual growth, they teach it to you in Sunday school. And it's very simple. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. That never changes. But now you're responsible for it. And that's what taking up your cross is. It's saying, I'm going to be responsible for my spiritual growth. And I know that I can't grow without denying my flesh. Because denying my flesh makes room for growth. Amen? The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. The daily death of self keeps me out of it and him inside of it. And that's what we want in every area of our lives. At least that's what I want. I want Jesus in every area of my life. Amen? Amen. Giving is living. Let's go to John chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 10 and 11. And while you're turning there, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Why did Jesus do all of this that we've talked about? Why did he, without sin, 
wrap himself in flesh, subject himself to torture and cruelty, die on a cross, three days later, raise himself from the dead. Why did he give? That's what he was doing. Why did he give so much? These verses that we're about to read reveal why. Why he gave. Why John 3.16 happened. This is why. The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Why did he die? Why did he suffer? Why did he give of himself so that he could give you and me life and life more abundantly? Hallelujah. Huh? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. He came to give life. So by following his direction and following his example, what do we do? We give. We deny ourselves and we give ourselves. We remove the boundaries and fences that we have put up in areas of our life. We take down the do not enter signs that are posted in front of our desires, our opinions, our tendencies, our cravings, our fleshly impulses, our human will, and we give God an all-access pass to every area of our mind, our heart, and our spirit. Mm. Woo, hallelujah. This is what self-denial looks like. It's saying, God, you know, I really wanted it to be this way. But if you desire something else, I'm willing to let this go. Lord, I really always thought it should be like this. But God, if you're saying it's different, God, then I'm willing to let that opinion go. I'm willing to let that understanding go. I'm willing to change the paradigm. I'm willing to change the lens that I've been looking through, God. I'm willing to deny myself. Mm. This is what carrying your cross is. It's taking responsibility for the denial of your flesh. But why? Why should we start saying no to our flesh? Why? It's out there. This world has proven that you can be a carnal Christian if you want to. So quiet in here. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Nobody, nobody likes that. But it's true. You can be a carnal Christian if you want to. You can say yes to yourself all day long and still call yourself a Christian if you want to. But why should we deny our flesh so we can partake in our promise and inheritance? Of life and life more abundantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I've heard people say, well, I, I don't feel like the promises of God come to pass in my life. Well, is there room for promises to come to pass in your life? Have you made a space for the fulfillment of promise in your life? Hallelujah. You can quote it. You can preach it. You can run about it. You can shout about it. You can dance about it. But until you make room for the promise, mm, you will you will live on little until you make room for abundance. Mm, hallelujah. 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 And we must avoid the trap of allowing the world to define for us what life more abundantly is. Where did your mind go when you thought life and life more abundantly? Because that definition comes from the one who wrote the promise, not from a world who tries to twist the word of God every chance that it gets. Abundant life is not the car I drive, the house I live in, the money I have in the bank, my worldly position, my kingdom status, or anything else of this earth. Abundant life is a life lived in selfless service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I knew, you know, I know when people are not going to get excited about something I'm about to say. And when you challenge a paradigm or a mindset that people have been living in, their flesh struggles to get a hold of it. And let me tell you something, the paradigm of thinking that life more abundantly is God just simply blessing your finances is going to rob you from eternal treasures that you can possess here on earth before that trumpet sounds. Don't get me wrong. God will bless your finance and he will expand your territory and he will provide for you. But there is so much more available to you in the kingdom of God than just simply being provided for. I'm not willing to just be satisfied with provision. I want a abundant life. I want abiding peace. I want joy that is not subjective to the circumstance that I live in. I want clarity of mind that doesn't waver in the midst of chaos. I want a compass of the spirit that works no matter how volatile the world around me is. What is that? That's abundant life. I want this word to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want to recognize the whisper of the spirit. What is that? That's abundant life, but I've got to make room for it. I've got to clear out some space and say, hey, I'm going to say no to the flesh. I'm going to say no to this opinion. I'm going to say no to this old way of thinking. I'm going to say no to these habits. I'm going to say no to these carnal desires. Why? Because I want some eternal. I want some fruit of the kingdom right here on earth. I don't want to have to wait until I'm on the other side of glory to be able to some to be able to experience some of the kingdom treasures that he has been made available on this side of glory. It should not be that the only time you experience kingdom treasure is when you're in this building. Mm. Woo. 
You ought to have a secret place in your life where you can go to any time of day and you know, hey, when I close this door, Jesus is going to meet me here. And if peace is what I need, I'm going to find it right here. If joy is what I need, I'm going to find it right here. If an answer is what I need, I'm going to find it right here. Why? Because I've made room for abundant life. Abundant life is a life lived in selfless service to the King of Kings. The only way to have abundant life is to give away your life. The only way to have abundant life, huh, you ready for it, is to abdicate the throne of your heart to the King of Kings and live your life for him. Abundant life can be found in obedience to the word of God to the plan of God, and to the man of God. That is heaven's ordained roadmap to fulfillment. Mm. No, hey, I got Dwight. Dwight said amen. Nobody else said amen. I'll go ahead and say it again so that you hear me clearly. Because I believe this. I have lived this. And I can give you example after example that this works. Abundant life can be found in obedience to the word of God, the plan of God, and the man of God in your life. If you will live your life on those three principles, you will walk in abundance. Mm, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I got a part two of this message. I was debating on whether to stop or keep going. It's about 30 more minutes. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. All right. I figured I ought to check with the boss over here. Amen. <laughs> All right. Everybody good? All right. So how do we do this? How do we give ourselves away? How do I give myself away? I'm going to talk to you about three areas where we can give of ourselves. The first is time. And this is perhaps your greatest resource, and it fits so perfectly in this launch of faith teams. Matthew 26, verses 40 and 41, and I, and I will try to condense this down a little bit. I'll try to keep this at about 20 minutes. Matthew 26, 40 and 41 says, And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not, excuse me, what could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was preparing to give it all, he's got just a few of his disciples with him, and he asks of them, he said, would you pray with me one hour? And he goes a little further. The Bible says a stone casts further. He walks, and he begins to pray. And he comes back to check on them. 
And what's going on? He finds them sleeping. You know, our, our family, we have a morning routine. And my kids, they got a list of things that they do every morning. And on that list is pray 10 minutes. They got to pray 10 minutes. And Brother Dwight, I got to be honest. There have been times where I found them sleeping. <laughs> and I say, Hudson, could you not pray with me 10 minutes? <laughs> mm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Giving of our time is one of the most valuable things that you can give to the kingdom of God. Because unlike your money, you don't know how much of it you have. And you don't know if you'll be able to replace what you've given. Mm. It is our most valuable resource that we can give. When you, sh I'm telling you right now, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this room. When you show up here on Wednesday night, it is always my desire, my prayer. I said, God, give me something valuable, something rich, something spiritually nourishing to give to them because they are giving their time to the kingdom of God. I believe that every time you give your time to the kingdom, God reward, rewards you and returns it back to you. Hallelujah. Let me give you this example. Have you ever gotten up late and felt like you didn't have time to pray? Like you meant to get up earlier, but you, you got a million things to do and you felt like you didn't have time to pray? And then what happens? You skip prayer and you don't get that list done, do you? All the things that you had to get done, they don't get done. And you go through the day frustrated. But I have found even on the days where I didn't get up when I planned or my start to the day was not what I wanted it to be, if I will force myself, that's that denial, if I will force myself to spend that hour in prayer that I have committed to the Lord to spend with him every day, that somehow that list that I could not finish gets done. God gives me direction. He gives me clarity. He gives me priority. And he begins to multiply my efforts and return my time. Why? Because I gave him the time investment that he asked of me. Amen? Amen. Prayer takes time. Knowing his word takes time. David, the psalmist David said it like this, in his law do I meditate day and night. How many of you have been working on your reading program? I won't ask if you're caught up, but how many of you have just been working on it? If you've read one day of your reading program, all right, that, I, get, I set the bar real low. I was hoping, I was hoping I'd see pretty much everybody's hands. Most people have read at least one day of their reading program. I would encourage you, no matter how many days you've missed or skipped, jump back into that and just work on making that a part of your daily time with Jesus. Amen? Give of your time. And there's obviously serving. I'm not going to go into all that. We spent a lot of time on that already. But give your time in prayer, give your time in the word, and give your time in serving. So time is one way you can give of yourself. 
time, and now let's talk about talent. Uh, let's go to Matthew 25, verse, and I'm going to begin reading verse 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Now, I want to talk to you about that word talent tonight, and... <clears throat> What I want you to realize is talent uh, in this context does mean money, but it also means value. It also means your aptitude. It means also traditionally what we would say, uh, Brother Hammond is talented at the keyboard. It is your talent. It is your aptitude. It is your gifting. It is the things that you have an inclination for and an aptitude to do. Um, and this is very important because a good attitude combined with your aptitude produces kingdom growth. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, our children, Aubrey and Hudson and Ashley, one thing that we have strived to teach them in our home is they must develop a kingdom skill set. And we let them choose what it is. And they don't have to necessarily have a natural talent for it. Uh, I think our daughter Aubrey played on the second keys this past Sunday. Aubrey is not a naturally gifted musician, but she has an aptitude to learn it if she applies herself. So what you don't know is for over a year, every single Thursday, Aubrey has taken keyboard lessons from Sister Kayla who led worship here because a little over a year ago, the Lord told me, your kids need to start learning a kingdom skill that they can offer in my kingdom. And so Aubrey chose piano. Hudson chose drums. He's almost where he needs to be, where he might be able to contribute a little bit in that area. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because you don't have to have a natural talent. All you have to have is an aptitude. If you can learn something, then say, God, what should I learn? What skill can I develop to invest into your kingdom? An investment of your aptitude is giving of your talent. Amen. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Everybody good? Okay. All right. Um, your skill set should be used to serve in the kingdom. Grow your value. Excuse me. Grow your 
value, your talent, your aptitude. And, and this applies obviously also to finance. Amen. Amen. So we are going to invest our time, our talent. Can anybody guess what the last one is? Shout it out if you know it. Whew. But give me the Bible word for it. It starts with a T. Our time, our talent, and our, our treasure. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. Amen. Don't you love it when the preacher talks about money? Well, you should because the Bible talks about money more than almost anything else in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Where you invest your treasure is an indication of where your affections are placed. Have you ever noticed that many times people who seem to always be strapped for cash somehow have money to do what they want, but rarely have money to do what they need? Pull your toes in. Here comes pastor. Stomp, stomp. I have lived everything that I am teaching and preaching to you tonight. Amen. I just want you to know that. I, there was a season in my life where I fit the description that I just said to you. Where if I wanted to have a good time, I had money for a good time. But man, I was struggling when the light bill came, Brother TJ. What's the deal with that? Poor stewardship. That's the deal with that. Amen. Uh, it's easy to spend money on who and what you love. That's why Visa and MasterCard love Christmas time. Because if you haven't planned for it, they got a plan for you. They got a 28% interest plan for you every single Christmas. And they are more than happy to loan you credit. Why? Because they know your love for people will cause you to spend money. Why? Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Woo! Amens are dwindling tonight. Amen. I'm just going to start clapping. Hallelujah. Your money will restrict you or your money will release you in the kingdom of God. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 21 through 23. This is the story of the rich young ruler. How am I doing on time? Anybody know how much I've used up? All right. Then Jesus beholding him. Okay, so the rich young ruler comes to the Lord tells them, hey, I've been faithful in everything. I've obeyed the, the law to a T. I've done everything right, and now I want to follow you. And here was Jesus' response. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He loved him. He loved him. He loved him. Mm, that's so important. 
I didn't have notes on that, but that just jumped off the page at me. He loved him. So important to know that when you look at what he tells him next. He loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about it. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross, woo, and follow me. <laughs> he addressed the money, and he addressed the self, and, and he addressed the direction. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. There is no better way to serve the Lord than with an open hand. I cannot tell you how many times my wife and I have emptied our accounts because the Holy Ghost said, okay, it's time to give. It's time to give. It's time to give. And every single time the Lord returned, multiplied, and replenished. You should not be afraid of giving in the kingdom of God. The Lord who loved him had more in store for the rich young ruler, but his heart was attached to earthly treasure. And because of that, it kept him from heavenly gain. I want to look at just one more passage of scripture tonight. My wife is watching online. She just texted me what time it was. So, <laughs> Malachi chapter, she's, she's looking out for y'all. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her you said that. Malachi chapter 3 beginning with verse 8. And I'm going to talk to you in this closing passage about the returning of tithes and the giving of offerings. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and, not or, and they are not synonymous in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the heavens, excuse me, open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will, and I can attest to you. How many of you can attest to this? I will rebuke the devourer 
for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. That means what you're trying to accomplish, the effort you're putting forth, the devourer is not going to destroy it. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. I am not afraid of a recession. I am not afraid of inflation. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know that finance comes in seasons. There are seasons of plenty and there are seasons of little. But I know this. I know that when I am faithful to the Lord in the returning of tithes and the giving of offerings, whether it's a season of plenty or a season of little, I have never seen my seed forsaken or begging bread because God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It is the truth. It is the truth. I remember, I'll tell you a little story. Years ago, this was, boy, had to have been 15 years ago, I had a small little lawn care landscape company. And it was right about the time of the recession. It was like 08, 09, something like that. And I had accounts canceling contracts. You know, I was in this situation where I was, you know, literally cutting prices in half just to try to keep accounts, that kind of thing. And it was the lowest grossing year our business had ever had. And I, rem I remember one Sunday morning going to church with a tithe check, knowing that that was it, knowing that I didn't have money to buy lunch that day, knowing that we did not have grocery money or groceries at home. Nobody knew it. We showed up in our car and our dress clothes and our smiles, and I knew what we had and what we did not have. And as we were walking into the church that day, this lady in the church, who I had almost never talked to, just walks up with a bag of food and groceries, said, the Lord just told me to fill this up and give it to you guys today. You know what? We didn't have plenty, but God never failed us. He never, ever ever failed us. Mm, hallelujah. And I want to encourage you today. If you have not been a tithe returner, we don't say tithe payer. We return tithe. We don't pay tithe. It's not a bill because it's not yours. It's his. We return the tithe. If you have never practiced faithful tithing and the giving of offerings and there's many different kinds of offerings to give and we're not going to go into all of that but if you have never practiced faithful tithing i challenge you i i challenge you to 
take God at his word. Prove him. It's not my bill. It's his bill. Make him prove himself to you and be a faithful tither. And you watch what God does in your finance and in your family. Amen. How many of you have found that to be true? Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we are so abundantly grateful and thankful. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.